Okay, folks, so here's the show. Heroes and howlers, and the rest is history. My name's Mikey Robbins. I'm a bit of a history nerd, but my mate Paul Wilson... Hi, everybody. Paul's a proper historian, all the way from Oxford. Thank you, Maggie. Okay, it's about those weird bits of history, the bizarre twists of fate. The cock-ups actually made the (laughs) stuff-ups that have made the world what it is today. Hey folks, this week we're looking... Yeah, you're going to be doing the heavy lifting on this one, mate. <laughs> okay. Look, folks, we, normally, yeah, we, we like to talk at the, about the, the cock-ups, the moments of badness mm. in history, but also it's important to look at how much things like serendipity, just, you know, the game of chance, can change the course of history too. And today we've got Alexander the Great. Yeah. Ah, the, the great military genius himself. Conqueror of the known world, etc., etc. But today we're looking specifically at the Battle of Gogamola, 331 BC. Yeah, Because and... today... Yeah. Specifically, I want to talk about horses. I always knew you were a Daryl Braithwaite fan at heart, mate. <laughs> well, you see, I think horses, more than any other animal, Mikey, yeah. have, have, have really been the defining animal, if you like, in history. Yeah, yeah forget about your dogs and your yeah. cats. Yeah, horses, yeah, look at you got Napoleon's Marengo. That, yeah. Yeah, yeah, you know why Napoleon liked Marengo so much? Apart from the fact it was a beautiful white horse. Yeah. It wasn't a particularly big horse. So uh, when small, Napo- small man syndrome. Small okay, man syndrome. Yeah, he, all right. he liked looking big on his horse, if you give him a bit. Charge yeah. the light brigade. Charge the light brigade, of course. You've got Caligula, you know. Making his uh, his horse in Tartus a consul, which is nice. But also, too, one of my favourite stories of horses. Before we get into Alexander the Great, was William the Conqueror. Oh yeah, there are two stories about William the Conqueror and horses. Go on. First one was after he conquered Britain, he got so bloody fat that his horses used to actually run away from him before he got on them. <laughs> okay, so, so he went on a diet. But then, when he was battling in France, mm-hmm. yeah, was actually killed by his horse. What? Well, the horse pulled up short, and his big fat gut ran into the front part of the saddle, the into pummel, the pummel, the pummel no and internal bleeding died. Ooh. So it was a horse that killed William the Conqueror. So horses in history, but most in particular... You yeah, I've got one horse, right? And yeah. I'm talking about Alexander the Great's horse, Bucephalus, yeah? Now... Mate, I'm going to be honest, I'm going to be straight up with you here. This is not one of my strengths, this period in history. Okay, well, what do you know about Alexander? Oh, leader of the Greek world, died basically like every empire. <laughs> he went bum up in Afghanistan. All right, well, let's start with that first first one, leader of the Greek world, because that's, I'm afraid that's your first mistake, Mikey. Yeah. Yeah? See, Alexander, of course, was not Greek. He was not Greek at all. He was Macedonian. Yeah, but he did get, as a kid, one of the great Greek thinkers. Sure, yeah. Aristotle was his tutor. You know, look, yeah, his father, Philip of Macedonia, was massively part of the Greek world, and his mum, you know, Olympia. Yeah, she was yeah, a yeah, very yeah. scary woman. <laughs> she, she was a bit of a handful. But really, you know, the Macedonian, you know, you're talking about step nomad in, in terms of ancestry. You know, they're the outside Outsiders looking in. Just to give you an idea, Mike, uh-huh. if you're not sure about the difference between Macedonia and Greece, imagine yeah. you know, England and Scotland. You know, imagine walking into a bar in the Gorbals and asking the barman if he's English. Yeah, those <laughs> Glasgow pubs are scary, mate. Yeah, yeah. So these guys, they're different, right? And he wants to conquer the known world, but he's talking about, not talking about the Greek world, he's talking about the Persian world. Yeah, oh, right. The whole world. You know, the Cyrus, the Greats, the Darius. The Darius, yes. Yeah, these guys who controlled basically three quarters of Asia. Because Macedon was actually part of the Persian Empire at one stage, right? That's right, yeah. yeah. So before it was part of the Greek world, originally it had been part of the Persian world. And so when Alexander sets off, not bad thing on your bucket list, conquer the world. Yeah, when he sets off, he's he's looking at Persia, he's looking at the big picture. Sure, Alexander campaigns in Greece, he needs Greece, and he wins the majority of Greek states onto his side. But deep down, 
For Alexander, Greece is just a prelude, an appetizer before the main course. So, so you're talking Anatolia, Syria... Egypt, that's yeah. right, yeah. He's going, pushing off into Western Asia. And the interesting thing is, rather than destroying these cultures that he meets, he actually embraces them. Yeah, he worships their gods, he dresses in their clothes, he maintains the traditions. Hang on, mate, the little bit I do know about this period, didn't the Greeks actually, they didn't trust Alexander because he adopted so many of those sort of Persian Well, that's rights. right, yeah, because the Greeks, they've just been spending the last five century slagging off the Persians and yeah. telling us how useless they are. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, people like Demosthenes, yeah, Diogenes the Cynic, Plato. In many ways, Persia probably got the first hatchet job in the press, if you like, yeah. you know, because all the Greek writers, as I said, just slagged them off. And of course, the Greeks then turned on Alexander as well. You know, <laughs> hell hath no fury like a woman scorned. So, so, so when they see him becoming too Persian, even. they have a... <laughs> fair enough. They, well, let's face it, the guy was a bit of a piss pot. Yeah, okay. Yeah, he was a drunkard, yeah, megalomaniac. <laughs> it was megalomaniac. Yeah, and they, a few they suspect sort of accused, relationships with his inner circle. Yeah, they, they, they accused him of being a little bit too close with some of his generals. Exactly. But, you know, you've got to remember it was in their interest, the Greeks' interest to make him look like the bad guy because otherwise they have to admit that he was right all along and that Persia was more important than the Greek world. Yeah, but Paul, to paraphrase a famous Australian TV ad from the 70s, tell me about the horses. All right, okay. Tell, let's get to the horses. All right, so today's episode, folks, yeah. Yeah, we're looking at Alexander the Great, but specifically we're looking at the Battle of Gogomola, 331 BC, and in particular we're looking at Bucephalus, Alexander the Great's beautiful, beautiful horse. Because he actually had quite a long-term relationship with that horse. So, yeah, his trusty steed, Bucephalus, and that word means head like an ox. And it all starts off when he's a young man, actually, because a horse trader comes to the court of Philip of Macedon and he's offering various horses for sale. They don't buy others. And then there's this one enormous stallion, beautiful white stallion, um, that he wants to sell to Philip for a pretty high price. Now, Philip's Alexander's dad, Right, that's right. So, so, so Alexander's just a young, young. He's a boy. He's still, he's still a kid, still a teenager at this size, right? And but the dad's had a look at him. He goes, "Nah, too wild for me. I won't. I won't I'm not paying you anything for that one. I don't want that one." And at this point, Alexander says to his dad, "No, no, I like that horse. That's, I want that horse." Um, and he goes, "Well, it's thirty talents. I'm not paying thirty talents for a horse." And he goes, "Well, I'll tell you what. If I can break him, because mm-hmm. by this stage, about three or four different riders have had a go yeah. and they've all been thrown off." He says, "If I can get break him, if I can tame this wild stallion, you'll have to pay for it." And give it to me as a present. Oh, fair enough. And fair enough, sure enough. You know, he does it. You know, he gets on top of it. And it's a beautiful story. He turns towards the sun yeah. because a lot of horses are afraid of their shadows, right? Oh, really? So he turns the, the, the horse and he stands it so that he can't see any shadow and he gets onto the horse that way, breaks him, and the, re- yeah, the rest is history. I should point out at this stage, I also tell I'm a shit scared of horses. They're <laughs> large right. and they bloody bite. So he's got the horse and the relationship with that horse, I mean, the way I can put it in modern terms, it's like Michael Schumacher and his Ferrari. That's right. Yeah, yeah. Th- these two are inseparable and one without the other doesn't work, right? So they're off. And they're off now into Asia. You know, the Gordian knot, smash, splash, that's gone. They've defeated Darius at Issus. Um, oh, there's that famous mosaic. That's right, yeah. So, uh, folks, you probably, a few of you have been to Pompeii. It's that really famous one with Alexander charging through the mosaic. And, uh, Mike, I, I have to say, yeah, when I first saw that mosaic, yeah. Yeah, the look of terror in Darius's eyes, which, considering these are little, just little tiles, pretty impressive and incredible, really, how they could get it to be so alive. So, he's, he's also on the same horse again when he, when he conquers Egypt? Every 
every time it's Bucephalus is leading the charge, right? Yeah, lightning strikes, this kind of thing. And now he's into Egypt. He goes to Siwa, the oasis. He finds another another cult, another god, joins in with them. Now, doesn't Darius try and sue for peace at this point? That's right, yeah. So Darius, is like, yeah, he's worried now. He can see that Alexander's going to win, right? right? Well, at least he's going to be given a run for his money. So he actually offers Alexander all the land that he's already conquered, which is basically going to be half of his empire. Mm-hmm. And there's, there's that nice story with old Parmenian who... Was, it, was, it was his best mate in general. Yeah, he was like the leading general. Old guy, yeah, number one general. In many ways, Alexander's right-hand man. But also, yeah, because he was the older one, Alexander was always a little bit jealous, you know, yeah. or a little bit... It wasn't the perfect relationship, let's put it no. that way. Anyway, so Darius offers him half the empire, and Parmenian says, if I were Alexander, yeah. I should accept what was offered and make a treaty. To which Alexander replies, so should I, if I were Parmenia. Oh, he he gives it to him big time. Yeah, so yeah, he's still going, right? He wants everything. He's not settling for second best. Alexander wants to rule the whole world. So now, boom, into Persia. And he wants to get to Susa, to Persepolis, to Babylon, all the main places. Ah, but first, he's got to get through Guagamala. That's right, yeah. First of all... Did I pronounce that right? Yeah, Gogamila, yeah. Gogamila, yeah. Gogamila. Now, which, as you know, Mikey, is in Kurdistan, northern Iraq, present day. It's basically just north of Darius's heartlands because this is going to be Darius's basically last stand. Because Alexander's turned down the treaty and Darius has got his, his army ready at this battle site to take That's on. That's right. So, and, so the whole world is pivoting on this battle. Yeah, Darius, yeah, like we said, he's got the biggest empire in the world and he draws on every corner. Yeah, He brings in his, his chariots, his cavalry, his archers. He summons the largest army ever seen on the planet up until that point. And also, too, didn't he have a special... This is long before Hannibal. Right. He had elephants. That's right. So he had elephants. Now, Alexander's Macedonian army, they're famous for their phalanxes. And, yeah, look, they, they were amazing. They defeated everyone in their path so far. But Darius, Darius III, he has got these war elephants. Because his empire stretches as far as India, right? That's right, yeah. So he's brought them out of Sindh. He's brought them out of, of northern India. And, yeah, they're like war machines, Mikey. Yeah, yeah. They've, they've got these big turrets on the top of them. You've got men sitting up there archers, archers and yeah. all this kind of thing yeah they are well so they thought impregnable this battle if Alexander, this battle if Alexander loses this it's basically game over for him right that's right yeah so 331 BC no western commander has ever been up against elephants before right no one's ever seen an elephant in battle and if Alexander loses like he's as you can imagine, Mike, he's already halfway to yeah. Iran. Yeah, his supply lines are massively stretched, right? Right. Yeah, you know? and basically the whole campaign revolves around him. Yeah, he's the leader, and without him and without his horse, they're nothing, and it'll just all crumble very, very quickly. Folks, we're talking about 331 BC, the battle that changed the world, mm. and the role of Alexander the Great's bloody horse in the damn thing. That's right. Yeah. And that's the thing, Mikey, because you know, without this horse, you don't have Alexander. And so, without Alexander, there's no ancient Greece, there's no Roman Empire, uh, there's no Western Europe in many ways. So Alexander's got his army ready to go. It's the night yeah. before the battle. That's right. And I believe that's when the poop starts hitting the toga. <laughs> well, that's it, yeah, because we've got these elephants on the other side, yeah. and of course, they know there's bloody elephants there, right? Because they can hear them. 
right? Yeah. Or they're, they're doing yeah. the trumpeting. They can hear the trumpeting in the opposite camp. So, of course, Alex is now, he's gathered all his generals and he's going, okay, what are we going to do? Can we charge them just on horseback? Will the horses bolt? Will, will, will they just run scared? Because you've got elephants trumpeting, you've got cymbals clashing, you've got drums beating. Because that was a big Persian thing, though. It would make a lot of noise the That's night right. before the battles, like psychological warfare. But Alexander says, I believe in my horse. I believe in Bucephalus. He will lead the charge. Yeah. He will be out front. Yeah, he'll be weaving in. Get underneath those elephants. He will seize the day and, and carry the day for us. And did it go down like that? Well, he gets in there. They get underneath the elephants. They disrupt the elephants. They scare the elephants. They're so successful. In the end, the elephants running amok themselves, turning around and smashing through the back of the Persian army and doing half the damage for them. Oh, and the really? nice thing is, Mikey, yeah. is that we actually know this is true. Tell me how, mate. Little story. You had mentioned about movies before. You remember the old Oliver Stone movie, Alexander? Oh, mate, way too long. It probably was an hour too long, but there's a couple of uh, a couple of nice points into it. And one of them is the recreation of that battle of Gogomola because they actually get real elephants and they get real horses and I have to say I'm very lucky my old tutor Robert Lane Fox was actually involved in that your old history tutor yeah that's right he said he said to Stone he said look mate I don't want any money but I'll, if you let me do one thing I'll be your historical advisor and, and, and what was the one thing you wanted so all the stones yeah so what, what do you want he goes I want to lead the charge you're kidding yeah so Robert Lane Fox gets on his horse and in that footage from the film you'll see the first horse Bucephalus riding up towards the elephants because he wanted to test the theory would they bolt uh, could they do it could could horses really charge the elephants and yes they could so your old history tutor yeah was actually the guy on the horse that's right yeah exactly and yeah and the horse of course was bucephalus yeah he was brave enough to take on the elephants very much a hero definitely not a howler and the rest is history so there we have it all thanks to Alexander's horse. That's right, Mikey. All thanks to Bucephalus, Alexander is able to win the Battle of Gogomola, defeat Darius, and therefore conquer the Persian Empire and keep on going. You know, he, Egypt, I think he, Afghanistan. Um... Well, that's it. 18 different Alexandrias he found. All over. So, so no Bucephalus, no Mykonos. Well, yeah, if no Bucephalus, they probably wouldn't get any further than Mykonos. Yeah, exactly, yeah. <laughs> yeah, 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 he certainly wouldn't be uh, weeping on the banks of the River Indus, oh, that's for that, sure. Is, is that story true that Alexander actually ended up on the on the banks of the River Indus and he wept because he had no more worlds to conquer? Well, yeah, it's this, uh, you've got two historians, Clisthenes and Ariane, uh, who tell us about uh, Ariane's Anabasis, the history of Alexander's campaigns, and they talk about how he weeps at the age of 27, weeps on the banks of the River Indus because there's no more world to conquer but unfortunately the, the truth is probably somewhere in between Mikey because by this stage his crack Macedonian troops had decided that probably it was time to go home and they'd actually said look we don't want to go any further and of course yeah he says there's no more world to conquer but they're actually they're standing on the banks of the river Indus yeah. and they can see the other side of the river so they knew there was more world to conquer because there was still India to go but they decided no that's it I'm not going any further so what, what actually happened to Bicephalus then? Well unfortunately of course all good things do come to an end so so after those Indian campaigns, Bucephalus does die. And yeah, some people say that might be one of the reasons why Alexander did turn around. Yeah, you know, maybe he had he had lost heart. But he loved that horse so much he named a city after. <laughs> well, that's it. Yeah, just just in case you're not sure how important Bucephalus was to him. So after the Battle of Hydaspes, you know, Alexander decides to commemorate the very last city yeah. he calls Alex 
Alexandria. Yeah, he's, there's 18 of them now dotted around Asia. And the very, very last one he founded, he named Alexandria Bucephalus, which is, <laughs> you can still go there today in northern Pakistan. That'd be like calling Sydney Farlap. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, 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 okay, horses oh. in history. Yeah, what do you, what do you reckon, Mike? Uh, my, my idea that you know, horses obviously ha- have been involved in history, changed the course of history, but Bucephalus marks out a 10. What will you give me for his, his role? Oh, mate, it changed the world. I mean, I'm going to give old Bucephalus an 8 out of 10. Right. Alexander charging Asia on horseback. Then, of course, you know, it's not just a Western legacy. There's an Eastern legacy as well. I mean, That's right. Genghis Khan. Yeah, well, a lot of people say, you know, Genghis Khan and Alexander very similar, charging yeah. around Asia on horseback. And certainly one of the repercussions or one of the legacies of Alexander is that for the next thousand years, any Central Asia leader worth his salt, whether it's Tamerlane, Babur, Babur. Yeah, all those guys, everyone tried to lay claim to some sort of descendancy from either Genghis Khan or Alexander. And people like Tamerlane, they, they, they claim both. You know what I'm most proud of, mate? Go on. We did a show about horses in history, and we haven't mentioned Catherine the Great once. Yes. <laughs> yeah. and, and before we go any further... She didn't die doing, you know, what with a horse. Her, her enemies made that up. She actually died having, she on the touch, she had a stroke. She went Elvis style. That's right. All right. Okay, folks. Back so that, to Alexander, mate. Yeah, that's, that's the end of the show. So if you've got any questions, folks, on Alexander or any epic stories involving horses, drop us a line on all your social media using the handle at and the rest is hist. And the rest is hist. And you can find all that stuff in the show notes. Okay, and if you like the podcast, don't forget to like, subscribe and comment, you know, whichever platforms you usually use to listen to your podcasts. Your smile on the dial next episode, Mikey. And can you give us a clue as to what you might have in store? Yeah, mate. It's one of the most consequential royal sex education lessons of all time. Sex education for the monarchy. Yeah. The French, by any chance? Yeah, it could be. Mm-hmm.